Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. So I want to do a little bit of learning around the most famous part of Kohelet, which is, what? That is exactly right. Um, so the beginning of chapter three, Stevie, um, which are these different couplets that you probably actually know from a song to every turn, turn. Yes, from the birds. Exactly. Written by the birds. Okay. So we are going to look at that a little bit, but we're going to look at it with a different lens. We're going to look at it through the lens of why do we read this now in between Yom Kippur, well, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and the rest of the year. Why is this narrative, why is this story, why is this material something that we as the readers need to know and hear and take in uh, before we continue on with the rest of our year? So when I was living in Israel, when I was studying at the conservative yeshiva in Israel, um, the, the, I really, I missed all aspects of this. Um, the, one of our assignments at the end of the semester was to take a part of one of the Megilot that we were learning throughout the year and somehow connect it to modern day life. Um, and our, ter- our teacher, Vered, asked us to kind of just go big, like decide, decide what you wanted to do and be able to then teach it. So at that time, I thought that I might go into the rabbinate as an educator. And so I came up with a lesson plan that took this part of Kohelet and brought it to the students, whatever age they might be, the lives they were actually living in at that time. Um, okay. Um, I just... Um, to the time that they were living as opposed to the time that Kohelet was actually written in. So I, this is a choose because I know that if I give you a sheet that has the and it over... And I want you to engage with me with the material before I give you the answers or reveal the, the excitement. So for those of you at home, the source sheet that you have is double-sided. Just don't look at the back uh, or do, but don't say anything about it. Um, so I, what I want you to do, see here again are these different couplets that are brought as the beginning of Chapter 3 of Kohelet. And if someone could just, well, I guess I should read them because I have the microphone. I'm going to read through them, and I would love to hear your thoughts on what these different couplets remind you of. Is there a theme? Is there something in the different pieces of, um, the different moments here that remind you of something or that, that play to the next couplet or somehow link everything together. So I'm going to read just because I have the microphone, and that way the people on Zoom and live stream can understand what's going on. So a time for being born and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting the planted, a time for slaying and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up, a time for weeping and a time for laughing, a time for wailing and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing and a time for shunning embraces, a time for seeking and a time for losing, a time for keeping and a time for discarding, a time for ripping and a time for sewing, a time for silence and a time for speaking, 
a time for loving and a time for hating, a time for war and a time for peace. Any thoughts of what themes you are hearing throughout these different couplets, anything that this might make you think of as you read? Joy? Opposites, okay, so so in some cases we're hearing the opposite, right? Born and dying are definitely two opposites, though I would push you a little bit, Joey, in terms of some of these are definitely not the opposites that we might think of, right? Laharog ve'et lirpo, the idea of killing and healing. You wouldn't necessarily say that the opposite of killing is to heal. Um, so there's definitely opposition, but not necessarily direct opposites. Okay, great. No absolutes. We're not getting anything definitive, no absolute um, description or example. Anything else? Jackie. Great. Great. It's very matter of fact. It's going to be, these are going to be things that we experience during life. There's no judgment, as Jackie said. It just, it is what it is. David. Okay, great. So, great. So it goes from the personal to kind of the more general, communal, agricultural, uh, expansive kind of experience around you as opposed to just the personal. And David wants you to all know that he figured that out also in Barrett's class. Different years. Uh, other thoughts, comments, themes. Is there anything missing from this list? Are there any couplets missing or any moments of life missing? Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. So Bob and Sandra are mentioning that there are that there are many things that are missing and it's the they're not actual little moments in your life but they are the they are the the milestone moments, right? The times for Bob said kicking your kids out of your house, a time for getting married, a time for having children, a time for seeing them off to college. That was an example I added. Yes, David, other David. Okay, there's no mention of succeeding and failing. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay, yes, there is no mention of shleimut. There is no mention of being broken down or or being put put back together. There's no sense of wholeness or brokenness. Rebecca? Oh, great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so Rebecca brought back what the bronze were mentioning um, and kind of categorized it in saying that the middle is missing. The the moments in between are missing. You're, you're hearing the opposites. You're hearing the born and the dying, but you're not hearing of the moments in between or the example that she gave, the planting and the uprooting, but not the growing. You're not hearing those middle moments. I really love that. Larry, you had your hand up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, there's nothing about learning. And then Larry also said that there's the, the positive and the negatives don't necessarily mimic one another all the way down. It's not that positive goes first and negative goes second, but that you are seeing positive and negatives kind of jumping all over the place in terms of order and configuration. Marlise, did you have your hand? Oh, Gary? Ah. Right, so there's nothing, there's nothing about getting sick. There's just the, the moment of healing. AJ? There's nothing about prayer. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, there's nothing about prayer, though. I think if we were to kind of drosh into some of these, maybe the weeping and the wailing could be seen as praying. Um, but you're right that it doesn't say anything about, about tefillah. Rabbi Klickfeld. Great, I'm going to try to summarize that. Um, it was beautifully said, and I'm going to say it uh, quickly and not as beautifully. But the idea that that in in not placing one the first column so to speak as positive and the second column as negative, 
These are just things that happen in life. These are not necessarily good things that happen in life, nor bad things that happen in life. These are just things that are going to happen, and it's the moments in between. I think I'm drashing a little bit off of what Rabbi Klinkfeld just said, but there are the moments in between that are going to then define for us if those moments of, so to speak, war or dying or uprooting are going to be positive or going to be negative based on the experiences that come before them and then after them. Any, any other thoughts, comments? Yeah, Bob. Okay, great. Everything they talk about is observable. Yeah. Great. Great. Beautiful. So uh, to kind of add on to what was mentioned before, that there's, you're, not, you're not necessarily knowing what is behind the observable moments, but you can see what's happening on the outside, and then it's the life behind it that is being... So all of these are beautiful drashot and beautiful um, uh, moments of recognition of what this could be bringing to us as we read it as um, we embark on a new year of Torah. The way that I saw this in the class at, uh, at the CY was a way of actually encapsulating the majority of narrative of our Torah in a very short period of time before then we read the beginning of the Torah again on Simcha Torah. So what I'm about to pass out to you is kind of a breakdown of how I came to this conclusion. Um, And I didn't find any basis for this anywhere. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, But this was something that I that I found quite quite remarkable in terms of its connection, especially in the place that we are in our calendar right now. So if you think about where we are, we read Vezod HaBracha this evening, and then we're going to read Breshit in just a few days, and we're going to all of a sudden be at the beginning of our Torah all over again. And so how do we take this entire year of Torah that we had before us and bring it into the new year of reading parts of our Torah that really we know so much better, but we still remember that which we learned in in the Torah up until this point. So I'm going to read kind of back and forth here, and then I'm I'm interested in hearing your um, your connections. So I said that um, a time for being born and a time for dying is connected to Adam and Eve. A time for planting and a time for uprooting the planted is the experience in the Garden of Eden. A time for slaying and a time for healing is Cain and Abel. A time for tearing down and a time for building up is the whole story around the Tower of Babel. A time for weeping and a time for laughing, Sarah and Isaac, bringing Isaac into the world. A time for wailing and a time for dancing, Isaac and slash for Jacob. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, the beginning of Joseph's story with his brothers. A time for embracing and a time for shunning embraces, when Joseph and his brothers reunite. A time for seeking and a time for losing, the end of Joseph's life with his brothers through to his grandchildren. A time for keeping and a time for discarding Moses' childhood up until he becomes uh, a someone in the, in the um, Egyptian family and palace. A time for ripping and a time for sowing. Moses is growing up in Egypt in, in his identity as a Hebrew. 
a time for silence and a time for speaking, Moses and Aaron as leaders, and also, obviously, the story of Aaron and his sons. A time for loving and a time for hating, Moses and Pharaoh's relationship. And then a time for war and a time for peace, which is Joshua approaching the land. So I, I, this, is, this is something that, again, all of the mentions, all of the connections that you all mentioned of how to bring life into the couplets that we saw in Kohelet are important. Because that's how you are going to bring that piece of Kohelet into the rest of your year. For me, bringing Torah into aspects of things that may or may not necessarily come out in moments of Torah. So what, being able to see this idea of a time for being born and a time for dying and thinking back to a story that we're really just about to read in Adam and Eve and being able to say, well... There is place for this both in the moment that I'm going to read it in Brayshit, but also at the end of our year when I'm reading it as part of the holiday of Sukkot. So too with Rabbi Klickfeld's sermon earlier today or teaching earlier today that if we're sitting in a sukkah that we're supposed to be thinking about the Exodus, right? That all of these different things are connected in ways that we need to more intentionally, I think, be noticing not just, oh, we're at the beginning of the Torah, or oh, we're at the end of the Torah, but how do all of the different teachings, elements, stories, history, etc. of our Torah play through in the different aspects of our lives. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. You can definitely disagree with me. That's definitely more fun than just saying, this is fun. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts and, and what you think of these connections. And if you think there are other moments in Torah that could be these connections even more deeply. I only went, obviously, up until Joshua. I didn't go any further than that. But if there are moments of Torah that speak to you in these couplets, I'm interested. Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, David. Uh-huh. True. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. So what David mentioned was that the the moment of eight lehov et li snow that maybe that's actually the relationship that the people had with God, and I would also add with one another when walking through the midbar, right? That there were moments of real contentious behavior, and there were moments of real love because they had to come together and they had to separate to kind of find those moments of um, of connection and partnership and eventually community. Rebecca. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. So for Rebecca, it was really missing the Israelites piece and the cyclical nature of kind of their relationship to get to add on to um, what David said and how I responded to David, that there is the, there are these elements of, um, and, and maybe Rebecca, you could even do this, that you, that you then continue these connections but now with the Israelites, right? Like maybe there's another moment of eight la let it for eight lamut that actually starts post Joshua and really is talking about the Israelites as a people as opposed to just these individuals in the linear fashion that you are remarking on. Yeah, Rabbi Clayfield, then Irvin, then Will, and then Gary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. So Rabbi Klickfeld mentioned that the moment of et li kro ve et li tpor, that in, krola, sorry, ve et li tpor, the, that this moment of splitting the sea open could also be a way of connecting that to the Moshe story, especially because of what comes 
afterwards in terms of Aaron's, um, Aaron's leadership. And um, just to, to respond, Rabbi Klickfeld started by saying, I don't know what your connection was there. My connection was more so like a poetic, I think that the way that I read Moshe's character in the beginning of his life is that he's really being torn apart identity-wise in terms of who am I? Am I Egyptian or am I, or am I a Hebrew? And there are moments throughout his story where he sews those aspects of his life back together and then tears some of them open to be able to be a little bit more vulnerable to the, to the world that he's actually living. But I love the splitting of the Red Sea. Yeah, sure. Yeah, great. That these different, different couplets can just be states of relationship uh, at different moments within a relationship. Great, Gary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that specifically in here somewhere? You're just commenting that that would be something to, to pair onto this. Great. So the idea of like the fear of what's going to happen to us and then finding that faith. Maybe that goes even with the Midbar, the Israelite piece, right, of adding that on. Um, just because of time, I'm going to wrap us up here, but you're more than welcome to keep this. Again, this was a fun, a fun project that I got to do a few years ago and something that I think of around this time of year um, as a way of really connecting us into that which we're living in right now. Um, I'm just noticing as I'm saying this out loud that this somewhat has to do with what I talked about on the first day of Sukkot that if we are to recognize our lives as those which are constantly changing and fragile, that these are aspects of relationship that we go through. And so too, when we're learning Torah, right? To go back to the fact that none of this had to do with learning Torah, but maybe it's the way in which we infuse Torah into these different couplets that allows us to then open up the Torah for the first time on Simcha Torah and see that which we've done in terms of our learning and in terms of our living for the past year and bring it into our next year of study and of uh, Torah together. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.